tonight, I would just like to share with you something that struck my heart and stayed with it as I was reading the Herald of Truth. I don't know how many here gets the Herald of Truth. I maybe had read Brother Andrew Freeborn's little article there. But he had some things in it that brought my mind to begin to think. But I think he was probably talking to many people who feel like that they're just of no value to the church at all. That they just are not able to do anything, they're not able to preach, they're not able to sing, they can't teach Sunday school, they can't do this, they can't do that, and something else. And consequently, because of this, begin to feel like that they're of just no value at all. I heard him say, well, why just come to church and take a seat? I think as he expounded some of the things and other things that I have made a study on too as quickly as I could, from 2 Kings to the 7th chapter, he wrote a question in the second verse. Then a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. That's a good lesson in that, but I read that only to point out what he pointed out in a sense. Then a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned. And uh, he stopped there and began to pose a question. Who was this man? A Lord on whose arm the king leaned. And then he said the Hebrew word literally means third. So he said possibly this was a third ranking officer in the king's army or king's court. Then he asked, what did this man do? What did a third-ranking officer do? Lord, on whose hand the king leaned? And he said, of course, this was enshrouded in mystery until just recently when archaeologist W.H. Bolton uncovered some ancient pictures on some Assyrian monuments. And these monuments revealed the duties of this mysterious third man or the Lord on whom the king leaned his arm. And he said, this picture showed first the chariot speeding into battle. Now, not the usual two men within the chariot, which were chariots of battle. Now, if they were racing chariots, of course, they would be only one man in it, in a race. But chariots driven into battle are pictured a lot of times with only two men in it. One man, of course, the driver. The other one, of course, with who would be the fighter or the soldier. But he said this showed it very clearly from the back what couldn't be seen from the front. An unseen man, he said, three men was in the chariot. One was the driver who was racing it into battle. Another was the fighting man with his spear and shield ready for battle. And he said there was a third man. Couldn't be seen at all from the front. Mysterious, nobody hardly ever knew he was there. It showed this third man holding 
standing in the back of the chariot holding two straps, which was tied securely to the chariot. And it seemed kind of nonsensical, but in studying this, he said that this man was the human back of that chariot. He was what they called the balancer of the chariot. And by shifting his weight and his body, while that chariot was running into battle or having to make quick curves or perhaps hitting a chunk or something to throw it up, this man, by manipulating his body, was able to keep the chariot from overturning and allowed that driver to drive and allowed the soldier, the king, or whoever it might be to fight. And it, it didn't, evidently this third man in the chariot didn't fight as the uh, first one fought. But his sole duty was to keep the chariot upright and balanced. And in doing this, he protected the life of the soldier. He protected the life of the driver. And in studying this myself and reading it, some of the ancient things, it said the chariot in battle was only as good as its third man. Regardless of how good the driver was, regardless of how good a fighter the soldier was in the chariot, without that third man, so to speak, to balance the chariot and keep it upright, it was of no value. And there are many, many Christians who are third men, or balancers, or women. Yes. They're not preachers. They're not called to preach. They're not looked upon by congregation of people in the community as ministers. They're not singers. They can't sing. They haven't been given that gift. Neither are they qualified as Sunday school teachers. You never see them serve in the spotlight. Hardly ever notice them. Hardly at all. But by their ability, saints of God here, if you're one of those, by your ability, the chariot or the church of God stays stabilized and upright. It's of no value how good the ones that drive, so to speak, or the leaders are. It's of no value really just how good a warrior now there is. But if it were not for those who are willing to hide themselves in an, at an altar and hide themselves in a cloth, and care not whether they're ever seen, whether people ever really know that they do anything, it is those people that when the powers of hell would throw a chuck in the wheel and overturn the chariot, it is those people who by their bodies or spirit is able to manipulate it in such a way that the chariot's wheel bounces up, they're able to bring it back down on solid ground and make it set there. Hallelujah. But I'm trying to say if you are a balancer, you ought to ever make light of your position. You're in the church of God and you don't sing. You should never say, I'm not good for anything. 
because it takes people. It takes people that are hardly ever noticed, that can't sing and can't preach, and can't teach Sunday school or can't do outward service. But somewhere, somewhere, in the back of all things, and the church of God there has got to be solid individuals that know how to shift their weight with God in order to get the church of God back home that ground where it belongs so the powers of hell can't destroy it. It wouldn't make any difference how good a fighter or soldier I was as your leader if it wasn't for somebody to balance the chariot. It wouldn't make any difference how those that are in authority that guide the church are if it were not for those sincere individuals that were holding the straps on the back and being leery and aware of danger and seek the face of Almighty God when it looks like it's going to turn over and be destroyed. They're with God and they bring it down and put it solid down on the floor again and forward in the battle we go. Hallelujah. We're going to that. Brother, it's important. It's important. By the ability of a quiet few, usually these people never even think about you all never know they're in church. You don't see them from the front. You wouldn't know they were in that chariot at all. Except sometimes you've got to look at the back of them. There they are. Hands on those straps on both sides. Powers of hell coming this direction in a charge. And that driver has got to miss that charge. He pulls those horses real quick and it looks like the chariot will turn over. This man or man knows what to do. Going full speed in battle. Hit a chug hole. Hit, hit, hit a snare. Whatever. Bounces it up. It balances almost ready to turn over. But this man through straps. Nothing else. This man shifts his weight. And brings that thing back down and it's ready for battle again. I want to say with uplifted hands from us all, thank God for the balancers in God's church. Thank God for those who desire who come in, who desire who pray, and who are down on their knees stabilizing the church of God and allowing it to fight in battle and not be destroyed by the powers of hell and hold fast to those things never deserting their position regardless of how dangerous it might be stable men and women young and old alike who never get weary and tired somebody else gets the glory somebody else pushes to the forefront they just move out of the way and still take their stations in battle and still stay where they want to stay. Hallelujah. Don't belittle your position. By your prayers, your gifts, little simple acts of service, that doesn't seem to mean anything. You can stabilize and make possible the work to the first and the second man. The church marches on. I firmly believe it does only because of the faithful balances of burdens. They're willing to take their positions. 
when performing their duties. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 12, 12, and the scripture I know you know. And I want to read that to you again because it seems so neat for us. Starting in at the 12th chapter, 12 verse of 1 Corinthians, says, For as the body is one, hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we bond or free, have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? The whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God hath set, in, set the member, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now there are many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Neither again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members of the body which seem to be feeble are necessary. But these members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have abundant comeliness. Our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schisms in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. And one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And reading, searching out some of the names, you'd be surprised at some of the names that are just barely mentioned by the Apostle Paul, and yet they were people that were necessary to help him fulfill his ministry. The name of Sophonies was mentioned only as being beaten at the judgment seat. Paul called him his brother. Just mentioned that time. Apparanus was mentioned only as the first fruits of ages. Phoebe was just called a servant of the church. Onesimus was a faithful and beloved brother. Dicasus was a faithful minister and a fellow servant. Aristarchus was only said my fellow prisoner. Marcus was said only to be sister's son to Barnabas. Epaphras was a servant of Christ. Archippus said, was told of Paul, take heed for your ministry. Eunice was mentioned as Timothy's mother. Lois as Timothy's grandmother. Balancers. Oh, Timothy. Amen. Hallelujah. Something that helps and balance. Oh, Timothy. Mentioned not often, but just enough to let you know that this is what stabilized and balanced Timothy's life. Often mentioned Zenos only once, and he said, bring Zenos the lawyer with you. Demetrius said he had a good report of all men. Epiditus, because of the work that he had done for Christ, Paul said he was nigh unto death. He didn't regard his own life. He disregarded his own life to supply your life, Paul said, talking to the church of service toward me. This man was a balancer. My mind was more or less focused and 
to the attention where it said, Wherefore, seeing we are accomplished about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every week and sin that does so easily beset us. Hebrews 11.32 I want you to look. I want you to see something perhaps we fail to see. Starting in the 32 and said, What more can I say? Of the time would fail to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped them out of life, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness was made strong, waxed violent in fight, turned the flight of the armies of aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourging. Yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. I want you to notice there's no names mentioned here. Just women received their dead. Others were tortured. Others had a cruel trial of cruel mockings, scourging, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about with sheepskins and goatskins being destined to afflicted and tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves in the earth. And these all, having, not, uh, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promises. People of those ages, balancing the church of the living God, standing with their hands and feet tied to the stake many times, and wood placed under it, and a fire lighted. These people were balancing the church of God. Their names are not even mentioned in history. But brother, their testimony reigns down through the ages of time as they declared the truth a belief of Almighty God as they were willing to die for Him and say, let my flesh burn and my spirit might soar into the presence of the living God. Names that were not even mentioned that people that balanced the church of God and kept it upright and kept the powers of hell from destroying it and kept it through the dark ages and brought it back and set it in the sanctuary of the living God and kept it balanced and upright and forthright and truth and kept the power of God ever in it and the power of God ever breathing through the course of nostrils of mankind. Amen. Names not even mentioned. People who no doubt had they set in our congregation might have wondered themselves of what value was it to the church of God. And yet when time comes, they were willing to give their lives. It makes me ashamed sometimes of our failures. We claim the same Holy Ghost. We claim that same spirit. We boast of that same power. Oh, how do we do want to be identified with Jesus until it interferes with our fleshly desires and our pleasures. And then Jesus can wait. There's no balancing there. You put Jesus to shame and you spit on him just the same as if you'd have stood there that day 2,000 years ago and spit in his face and smoked him and said, prophesy, thou false prophets. Because there's no balancing truth. You can balance this church, not just this church building, you can balance God's church 
by leaving a testimony of righteous living and of holy prayer and holy desires to be what God would have you to be and nothing else. That grace fading out of the way and the Spirit of God taking preeminence in our hearts and life. We can balance this thing and be have to be this? No, not any more than you do. All they were asked to do for the most part is just say you don't believe in this Jesus. It would have been that sick. But friend, in the dark ages, in the ages of the apostles and prophets, one of those chariot wheels was already off the ground. The apostle Paul was standing there with the armor on, going into battle. He had a driver in that chariot. And the apostle Paul would have been no good, except for these people that I just named here, that was back of him, balancing that thing and keeping it upright. Amen. All down through the dark ages, they could have said, we don't know this Jesus. And they could have been set free. They wouldn't have had to suffer no more than you do. And they're not even threatened with this. No, we're not. The devil just comes along and says, would you like to have a good friend? And you say, sure I would. It doesn't seem to matter to you whether cherry wheels off the ground or not. That's because you're not a balance. But to that individual with the straps in both hands, standing in the back of that chariot, he could care less whether anybody in front saw him or not. He didn't want to be seen. He had a job. And he couldn't do that job standing upright. He had to be in the position. And he must not get out of that position. If he does, the chariot talks and talks. There's congregations all over the land whose churches have no one in them simply because there was no balances there. It wouldn't make any difference what type of a preacher came. Christ himself even. But there had to be somebody that was stable and trustworthy and willing to stay in that position where no one saw them. To keep that chariot wheel on the ground and keep it going forward in life forward in battle. Or it hasn't been known that when chariots turned over, that many times these three could get out and perhaps get it back on its wheels and get going again. But time was lost. And they had no time then. They were riding full-fledged back. I would have to say the same thing. Sure. Let the church tip over. We might be able to ride it, but time would be lost. And souls perhaps would die and be killed. We need the chariot wheels on the ground. We need balance. We need somebody that don't care whether their name is ever spoken. We need somebody that don't care whether nobody ever knows they pray or not. We need them in their front. We need them behind the first and the second man. That's their job. They've got to be there. The driver couldn't drive in the third man's place. The soldier couldn't fight in the back of the chair. They have to be where they're at. Amen. They're of no value unless that man is behind them. You show me the greatest preacher in the world. You show me Billy Graham. Unless he had that third man to balance 
himself. He would be of any value. Some place, somewhere, there has to be some saints that are willing to stay in the background. Amen. Yes. And do the job. Baptist. Teach the church of God that's going on. No they, they were stoned. So on a Sunday. Wandered about in sheepskin. Torment. All across the evil things. Because somebody, somewhere, had to keep the church of God from going on. When you read Fox's Book of Mormon, it names a few of the that died yeah. to keep the church back, to keep it working. Now you do what you want to. You deserve your post to do. You feel however you want to feel. But regardless of who you are and where you are, if God has set you in the body, you're going to be missed. And I will tell you another thing. God is not coming for an incomplete body. If you can't take your place and fill it up and do what you're supposed to do before Jesus comes, somebody else will be there. Amen. And somebody else will be doing the job. Yes. Because Jesus is coming for a perfect, perfect body. Amen. A perfect body. You see, all too often as we close, our desire to be noticed. The preacher don't notice me, and I want to get mad at him. He'll just fall down and grovel at my feet, read my mind, and know what's needed. I want to get mad. I just won't pray. I just won't do anything. I just won't come. You see, we don't have what it takes to be a balancer, to keep the wheels on the ground, to care not who sees you, Whoever mentions your name, they never do or not. Just as long as you're in that position with those scraps in the world. Church of God is going to go We need some balance tonight, and I'm sure we have in the church. I'm never down on people. I've heard somebody say this week to somebody else, when you're ever going to move out to God, See, they said that about Sunday night service. That's fine. I like to see how it was moving. Friends, outward movement can never replace what that heart feels. And you see, you don't always have to outwardly move out for God. It's good. I think God requires an last for it. No uplifting of our hands are worship. You don't have to shout to move out to God. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. You don't have to run the aisles to move out to God. You can sit in your seat and let your soul cry out and reach the divinity of God and move out for God without hardly anybody knowing it. But those who know God are going to know where you're at in Jesus. Oh, I realize you can sit in the service quiet and your mind could be a million miles away. But you can also sit in, never outwardly show hardly anything. Your heart within you can be beaten for Jesus. You can be saved while they're working there at the altar. You need altar. 
Well, while those people are working there at the altar, I know there's been people criticized because they didn't work. Many times we do need altar work. When you see that there's not enough altar workers, we need to come. But please, let's watch it. When we criticize because somebody's not up here, only time criticism is deserved is when we're sitting, running backwards and forwards, looking around, our minds not on God. But you can look out at the congregation while the altar service is going on, and you can see some hearts. And lips are not moving hardly. Hands are not anything, sometimes eyes closed. But you can see that heart crying out, balancing the thing, saying, let them receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let them be blessed, Lord. Let them receive what's needed, Lord. I never hardly say a word, but their soul is moving out to God. Yeah. They're balancing these things. There's fighters there and there's dragons. The chariot is burning. Somebody's got a hold of Somebody's got the spirit. You got to help. Come right on in. Be what we need to do. Now, I'm not saying this to give you an excuse not to do anything. But I did feel like the biggest many have been unduly and unjustly criticized because they just didn't happen to move out like somebody thought they ought to move out. And others have expressed, well, I don't, I don't know what good I am. Well, you know how to pray. You know how to get a hold of God. You see that chariot tipping a little bit. You know how to balance it. Use that weight you have with God. Put that on your back on the ground so that the Spirit can go ahead and fight you down. How about it? Let's be something for God. And let's care not really whether we're noted too much or not. Whether anybody ever calls or names, whether anybody ever brags on it or not, it would be enough. As I told it will be enough when you stand ready to be invited into the kingdom of God when Jesus calls your name and says, Well done. I do it. You're good Nobody else made me ever But Jesus says, You've done a good job. I want you to come in here because I've something. Praise. 